to ask you this morning, if you would, take the Word of God and turn with us to John's Gospel, Chapter 3. I want to begin reading there in verse 1 of John chapter 3. I don't know about y'all, but it's been a long year. Amen. <laughs> I don't know about y'all also, but I'm tired. It has been such a long year, and we've been in to, to so many different things and doing so much, and I praise the Lord for that. You know, we as a church, we need to make sure that we are an active church, a church of fellowship, a church of love, and a church of giving. And I can say this past year we have done all those things, but I want us to continue those things, amen? And we must continue to do what God wants us to do and honor Him. And it's good to see you here today, uh, the last day of the year, and I will look forward to seeing you here tonight again. Uh, at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, to 12 p.m. and uh, come and be here for the services and I think you'll receive a blessing if you come a good way to start the new year off right beginning in verse 1 of John the Word of God says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now I'm going to stop reading there and move over to verse 22. There in verse 22, the Word of God states, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon, near Salem and because there was much water there and they came and were baptized for John was not yet cast into prison then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying and they came unto John and said unto him Rabbi he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness behold the same baptizeth and all men come to him John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. 
He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath uh, excuse me, sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Father, as we come before your precious throne of grace today, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity that we share one with another here in this congregation. Lord, that we can worship you, that we can honor you, that we can lift you up. I thank you, Father, for this Christmas that now is, is behind us, the Christmas day, and the Christmas season is coming to an end, but the new year is approaching. And Father, we must always accept those things that are past, and Father, yet look forward to those things that are new. And Father, take each day as a day that you've given us that we must rejoice in and share with other people about the glory that's been placed into our lives. Father, help us this day. Help us this day to bind the hands of those that would be evil against us. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to build the hedge about this church that nothing can ever enter in to harm it. Help us, Lord, to stand with you in this new year and, and Lord, to strive together. Help us, Father, to, Lord, just to lift you up and share your great gospel with this entire community. Father, to see souls saved and to see souls revived. Father, what a sweet, sweet blessing it is to know that you not only save us, but, Father, you sure do come and revive us sometimes. And we praise you for that. So, Lord, now bless in this lesson. Father, undergird me and strengthen me. Lord, help me to stand and preach your word. For these things we ask now in Jesus' name for his sake alone. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, today, if you will listen fast, I'll preach fast. Amen. And uh, hopefully we'll get done in time. Well, today I want you to draw your attention back to verse 30 uh, there in J uh, John chapter 3. And notice what he says there. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. As we think about this new year that we are coming into, yes, the junior church is, is uh, dismissing now. As we think about it, as we come into this new year, we definitely need to make sure that we think about the fact of Jesus Christ. If we do not approach the new year with Jesus, then we're not approaching this new year at all. Uh, we're just continuing doing the same things that we've done in the past and uh, letting the old feelings, the old thoughts, the old way continue to drive us. But we need to be driven in a new way. Amen? We need to be driven by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to allow His Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us that we might honor Him. As we get into John chapter 3 here, we find that there's actually a couple of parts in this chapter that God wants us to see. First of all, we see the Pharisees uh, uh, and being recognized from, uh, by them from Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to uh, Jesus and he basically asks him how he can be saved. But he asks him in such a way about being born again because he doesn't understand the spiritual concept of salvation that we're not born back into our mother's womb again, but we're born in a spiritual way. Our bodies do not change in this manner, but our spirit does change. And then as we 
continue to be saved in our life and grow for the Lord, then our bodies begin to change a little bit. Our mannerisms change. Our thought patterns change and all this. In other words, the work of God in our lives is an inward work. It's not an outward work. And when that inward work is there, God begins to change the outward look that each and every one of us have. That's why Christians look different. That's why Christians sound different. That's why we have different ideals and different goals. And that's one reason why we praise the Lord. That's why we come to church, because we want to honor the Lord. We want to praise Him for what He's done for us in our lives. And we, we see that change. We feel that change taking place in our lives. And as we feel that taking place in our lives, then I draw back to verse 30 again where in this new year, I want to make sure that in my life and I want to make sure in your life also that Christ increases and we decrease. There's, a, there's an important story here that I want you to see. As Nicodemus comes to, uh, to Jesus, he comes to him and he calls him rabbi. Now that word rabbi he uses there basically means teacher or, or just basically teacher. If he would have said uh, master uh, rabbi, he would have meant good teacher. But then we find over in verses uh, 22 through the rest of that part of that chapter, he tells us uh, that the disciples of John, John the baptizer or John the baptist, his disciples come to him and call him rabbi also. And there's a reason for this because rabbi represented teacher. Just like it represents today, a rabbi is a teacher, a teacher of the word of God, a teacher of the prophecies of the word of God. John the Baptist or John the baptizer as is mentioned in our word, we find that John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. If you'll know, remember back in our stories, um, uh, Elizabeth uh, was pregnant and Mary went over to see them and uh, when they were speaking about Jesus, John uh, inside of Mary leaped uh, and, and twisted around because he realized he was in the presence of God and, and such an amazing feat that God allowed to happen there. Uh, we know that uh, John, the baptizer, when uh, G and this was actually right before this happened in John chapter 3 here, we see that Jesus comes down uh, and John looks and, be, and beheld and he states unto the congregation of people that were there, uh, Behold the Lamb of God. And as Jesus comes down into the water and seeks John to baptize him, uh, John comes into the water, Jesus comes into the water and uh, the dove descends upon Jesus as he's being baptized. Uh, the Father speaks and you have the first time in the New Testament where the Trinity of God is present uh, at the same time that people actually see the Trinity of God and hear it because God speaks, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus basically is beginning his earthly ministry as he comes into this water and begins his, uh, his baptism showing us what we should be doing as well. Uh, this is another reason why we baptize people. Uh, Jesus was showing unto the people by what salvation that we would receive, by what resurrection that he would rise from. And we are not going to get into all the facts about baptism today because I want, to, to, I want us to focus on verse 30 this morning where it states that he must increase and we must decrease. I think one of the problems that most, most of humanity has is we think too much of ourselves. 
Amen. Would y'all agree with that? Uh, I, I believe today that we're so self-righteous. And God does not teach us self-righteousness in His Word. He teaches us Christ-righteousness. He teaches us to, to have the mind of Christ, to think on Christ. He even tells us to think on these things, talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the Word of God, talking about the salvation that He brought into this world for each and every one of us. One reason that the church today has so little influence over the world is because there's, there's so much of the world inside our churches today. Another reason the church has such little influence over the world today is because Christ has so little influence over the church, it seems as though. It seems our churches of today, we've gotten away from Christ being the center of our church and the chief cornerstone of what we build upon, and we start building upon all kinds of other things. We build upon isms and schisms of, uh, and thoughts and programs and, and this and that and the other, you know. And I could honestly bring a great list out of what churches sometimes are being built upon. But honestly, dear friends, churches are supposed to be built on Jesus Christ and the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, the salvations that we attain through Jesus Christ, the things that Jesus Christ does in our lives, and that builds us and it builds our church, and then we become building blocks in that church spiritually, and then buildings can be built and all kinds of things like that can be accomplished. But unless we do it through and by Jesus Christ, first of all, we can never accomplish anything for the Lord. And I'm so afraid that in our world today, we've gotten so self-centered and so self-righteous that we see ourselves as something and we forget that Jesus is everything. And we must make sure that Jesus is everything. Amen. And in this new year coming up, 2024, my goodness. I remember when I was a child and I used to think about the year 2000. And I thought, wow, that's a long time away. And now the older I get, they get shorter and shorter every year, do they not? In fact, I, it seems like it was just last year that I was coming back and forth up here and, and speaking to each of y'all and talking to y'all and candidating for this church. But yet, here we are now at the beginning of 2024 and the ending of 2023. And dear friends, I've seen our church grow this year. I've seen our church grow in spirit. I've seen our church grow in number. I've seen our church grow in so many different ways. And individuals in the church grow spiritually. And that is such a blessing to me because that is exactly what God wants for our church. And dear friends, because of that, I never want to see our church regress and go backwards. And the only way we can make sure that it doesn't regress and go backwards is to make sure that we keep Christ first. Amen? And we make sure that, that we let Christ increase in us and us decrease and reduce that self-righteousness in our church and in our lives. You see, Jesus is the beginning. He has always been the beginning. He's the beginning of new life. He's the beginning of this world. He's the beginning of the creation of the stars and the heavens and all things that are, are yet to be. He's the beginning of. He'll be the beginning when the new Jerusalem comes down upon this earth. He'll be the beginning when we stand with Him in heaven. He'll be the beginning when He feeds us around the marriage supper of the Lamb. He'll be the beginning, and He always will be the beginning. In fact, He even tells us He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So He will always be the beginning, and He will always be the end, dear friend. Someone says, well, how old is God? 
God doesn't have an age because God has always been. And the Godhead has always been, friends. So then what does it take in our lives for us to allow Christ to increase in our lives and for us to decrease? Well, there's some interesting uh, things here that, that John the Baptist shows unto us. You see, what happened is Jesus, after he had been baptized, Jesus was coming down now and to the water and the same place that John the Baptist was coming down to. And you might would say that John the Baptist was down there at the back door and he was baptizing people. There would be converts that he was doing. There would be a line of people there coming down to the water. And, and one of the reasons that, that those people were coming to John the Baptist, and I, I want you to understand this too, is they were coming because this was not a, a signification that they had been saved. This was a signification that they had, had changed their life and they wanted to live by the accordance of the law. That same Levitical law that had been given so many years ago. That they had seen some things in this past year in their life and they wanted those things to be changed and so they were coming down to be baptized. And those were the ones that John was receiving in baptism. But up the way a little bit in the water, all of a sudden Jesus is there. And it seems as though, <coughs> excuse me, that, that there are so many people coming down to see Jesus more people now coming down to see Jesus than there was coming down to see John. And so the disciples of John the Baptist, they were confused about this. And so they went to some of the Jewish leaders, and the Jewish leaders and them, they got together, <coughs> excuse me, and they were talking about the fact of this one that, that you baptized, that you became witness of here just a, a few months ago, now has more converts, now has more people being baptized than you do. What's up with this, John? And I'll just simply paraphrase what John says back to him. John says, well, I've told you before. I told you that day, and you're a witness of what I told you, that I am not the Christ, but he is. And since he is the Christ, I owe it all to him. And what I do for him, I do it because of what he's done for me. And I am not ashamed. I am not bothered. I am not upset. I have no problems with Jesus baptizing as many people as he can. Because Jesus is baptizing them for the right reason. And that's basically what John tells his disciples. And because John's disciples were there present also, and these Jews were there present also at the time when Jesus was being baptized, and all these things happened, the, the God spoke and the dove descended, and they were witness to all these things, they began to understand this thing about Jesus. And at that very moment, something happened that was continuing to happen all throughout the New Testament until Jesus was crucified. Throngs of people now began to come to Jesus. It wasn't going to be long till John the Baptist that John was going to be caught and John was going to be taken in and eventually John would be beheaded. And this would make Jesus very upset. And this is why he never went through uh, uh, there by Herodias and, and talked to Herod and, and that area of that part of the land around the Sea of Galilee. Because he was so upset by this. And so he would not go through that area. 
And so we, we come to this precipice here. Jesus' ministry is starting. People are beginning to notice Jesus. And as they begin to notice Jesus, they notice Jesus doing something very wonderful and something very different. He's not just baptizing people so that they can fix their problems from last year to this year. He's baptizing them because He knows that they believe in Him and they trust in Him and they honor Him and they, they are going to be lifted up by Him one day. So much more than John the Baptist. Remember when Jesus walked into the water and what he said, John said, here comes somebody that I'm not even worthy to loose or latch his shoelaces up. He is greater than me. And his disciples began to understand that. And at that very day, John's disciples that were following John now began to follow Jesus. What a sweet, sweet blessing. Now what had to happen for that to happen? Well, what had to happen is exactly what did. And for that to happen, John had to get to a point in his life where he decreased and Christ increased. And I think in John's life it was always that way. And it was about John showing his disciples that this is what you must do also. It's not about me. I'm not baptizing so that you can see me. I today am not up here preaching that you can see me. I'm here preaching today so that you can see Jesus. And all throughout this coming year I'll be doing these things so that you can see Jesus. Not that you can see me. Not that you can even see the work of the church. But that you can see the work of Jesus. And that is always the most important thing that we see. It's always the most important thing that we, that we move forward on or we stand on or we do anything on. And what it does is it requires a continual surrender of self. Listen, dear friend, I'll be honest with you. As I stand in this pulpit, I really don't care if you like me or like my preaching or anything else because it's not about me. It's about this book and about Jesus. And any preacher that would be honest with you today and stand behind the pulpit, they would say the very same thing. Because it's not about me. And by the way, dear friends, it's not about you neither. It is about Jesus. It's about Jesus and His Word and what we can accomplish together as we serve Jesus Christ. And that requires continual surrender. Now, don't misunderstand me. Our flesh rises, doesn't it? We like to be seen, don't we? I mean, you know, uh, sometimes we'll sing louder than someone else so somebody can hear our voice. Sometimes we'll speak louder than someone else just so somebody can know that it's us speaking. Sometimes we'll wear something into the church just so somebody can notice that I got a new dig, you know. Look at my new dig. We do that. And that's self. It's self-righteous. That's this pride that comes in our life. And God tells us in His Word that we've got to be careful of pride because there's some things that's going to happen pretty bad to us if we get prideful. And I want us in our community here to be known as a great church, but if we are a great church because of our pride, then we're not a great church. We need to be a great church because of Jesus and what Jesus is doing here and what Jesus is doing through this church. And the only way for that to happen is for Jesus to increase and us to decrease, dear friends. 
And that's exactly what John did. John said, you see Jesus down there bringing those men and women and boys and girls into the water and baptizing them? He's helping them. He's helping them to see Christ, to see heaven one day. All I'm doing for you is helping you to live by the law one more year. And that's why he's greater than me. Because I cannot save you because I am not the Christ. But there is one right down there that can save you and get you to heaven. Get you to the avenue. Get you to the place where you need to be. And that's Jesus. As we look into this scripture here, actually the verb tense literally means I must continually keep on decreasing. It's not something that we can stop. I have learned in my life as a preacher that is not me. It is Jesus. I have learned in my life through pastorates that I've had, youth work, youth evangelism, youth ministries. I have learned in my life, dear friends, that it's not about the accolades that someone gives upon me. It's not about the letters behind a person's name. It's not about being doctor so-and-so of a church or, or this and that. It's about just being yourself before God. And that's what I always have approached it with. And that's what I approach every message with. Every time I stand behind this pulpit, I approach it the same way. I'm just a country boy, dear friends, from the middle of North Carolina trying to do the best I can for the Lord and honor Him and lift Him up and help you people grow and do the same thing. So again, we all must do this. It is a continual decreasing of ourselves. We have to have that terminated view, if you will. We have to have that view of surrender. And the problem with us in our world today and in our society, we think of surrender in a different way than, than John is talking about here. When we think of surrender, we think about it like when you're playing a game. All this week, our family has been playing phase 10. You know, y'all, anybody ever played phase 10 in here? Four people raised their hands. I know the rest of you do too, but y'all are too holier than thou to admit it, you know. So we've been playing phase 10 this week, you know. And uh, your pastor has lost every game. <laughs> um, was I close? Yes, but, you know... Close doesn't get you <laughs> anything. We've played these games. And you see, that's the way we look at surrender. I lost, and so I surrendered. We look at surrender like people in war. When the fighting army that is overcoming the other army, and finally the one says, okay, I lay my arms down, I quit, I surrender. You see, that's the way humans look at surrender. But the way that God looks at surrender is not that way. He looks at surrender as a continual thing that we do. And when we're talking about our own self and our self-righteousness, God is saying unto us that we are surrendering, not just today and laying these things down, but we're looking for other things in our life to lay down. We're looking for other things that is a, is a, a determent in our life from serving God. And we're searching those things out so we can lay them down. And we're not saying that we surrender because we lost. We're saying that we surrender because we know that if we surrender, we win. That's how God looks at surrender. That's how God looks at this continual 
decreasing. And as we continually decrease, if God really is in our life, if we truly have been saved, and honestly, friends, sometimes there are people in churches that say they have been saved and they are not truly saved. You've been led to a false decision or led to a false thought and you've lived your life based upon that lie, so to speak. And now as you base your life upon that, that lie, you're growing in that, but there's no validity to it. So if you truly have been saved, and if God truly then is living in your heart and in your life, if you decrease yourself, immediately the light of Christ is going to shine through you because you have just opened up a path for more of that light to shine through. You see, self muddies up the water. And as it muddies up the water, then the light of Christ, it still shines, it glows a little bit, but it's muddied up. Last night we were coming home from Hershey. And as we were coming home from Hershey, we were riding in my son-in-law's van. And, and uh, I had been breathing the same way the whole trip back. But all of a sudden, on my side of the windows, it started fogging up. And I, and I told Steve, I said, Steve, I said, uh, my side for some reason is fogging up. And I've been breathing the same way the whole trip. But all of a sudden, it started fogging up. He said, yeah, he said, I noticed that. So I went over there and I reached and I pushed the defrog or defrost button, you know. Well, immediately it started clearing up. You see, I couldn't see through the window because the, the stuff that was on the window, and I wanted to see what was ahead of us because sometimes Steve is not the best driver, you know. I mean, one time this week we were driving down through there and uh, there was a red light in front of us and he didn't see it. And I said, red light, <laughs> you know, and we were screeching into the intersection. We have to be careful when you have nine people in a van, you know. I wanted to be able to come back and preach today to you. So my, here's my point. As that wind cleared up, then I was able to see what was in front of us. When we get that self-righteousness cleared up in our lives, then we're able to see what direction God has for us. And in the year of 2024, with a clear direction, we can do great things for God if we'll just let God help us do that. That's the only way to do it. And so He must increase, and I must decrease. He must increase, and you must decrease. But secondly, we also find that not only does it require the surrender of self, but it requires a continual growing in Christ. Now what does that mean? When Jesus, rather when John here said, He must increase. What does that increase mean? Well, it means that Christ, the, the less, again, that we are muddying up the waters, the more then that Christ can be seen. And so it actually, in essence, He is increasing inside of us. And Christ then is becoming greater and greater. In all actuality, He is now becoming Lord of our lives. So this actually what John was telling His disciples is let Jesus be Lord of your life. That's the doctrine of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And He must be Lord of our lives. And when this happens, it is for Him to go on growing and for me to ever get less, to continue getting less and less. The songwriter captures this idea when uh, he penned these words, More love of Thee, of Christ, more love of Thee. This is my earnest plea on bended knee. We need to have more love to Christ because we know Christ loves us. Amen? 
We know that Christ has given up everything for us. He's laid down the riches of heaven to come to this earth and be born in a manger in an obscure way. And yet we do not, we, we see Him in the manger, but we don't see Him high and lifted up. We don't see Him as that great God, as our Creator, as the one that we owe everything to. And so we must. And we must let Him continue to grow and growing in our lives. And that comes with surrender. Again, not surrender like, I quit, I'm done, my hands are up, but, okay, okay, you've got me now. Let me see what else is holding me back from serving you. It's a matter of His divine plan. Look with me to verse 27 of John chapter 3. John says, he says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So we cannot decrease. We cannot receive Christ. We cannot do any of these things. He will not increase in our lives unless we ask of the Lord to give it to us from heaven. Amen? That's what John is saying there. And we need to make sure that in every prayer we pray, and every thought we have and everything we do this year, that we're asking Christ's leadership in it, that we're asking Christ to help us through this, that we're asking Christ to give us that divine plan, the plan that allows Christ to be exalted and us to be His servants and for us not to be exalted, nor one of us in this building to be exalted above any other person. I am not exalted above you. I'm just your pastor. I'm just your leader. I'm your under-shepherd. And no one in this church should ever be exalted above anyone else. Now, I know you all have talents. You all have abilities. You all have things to do. And praise God, I'm glad you have it. Because, dear friends, you know what that does for us? It makes us a healthy church because then we have people to do the things that God wants done. Amen? But when we start lifting one up over the other, then what we have done is we've just taking Christ out of the picture. And we've increased and He's decreased. But John says we must decrease and He must increase. We must take ourselves out of the picture. John does not groan. He does not grumble. When he says these things about Jesus, he does not say, well, let me go down there and I'll show that Jesus fella, you know. I'll, he's one of my family, and I'll go down there. I'll give him a piece of my mind. How dare he go down there and take our converts away from us? See, that's what John's disciples wanted to happen. He just looks to his disciples and says, You see that man down there? That's the Christ. And I stand before you today. I am not the Christ. Neither are you. We're just His disciples. Amen. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must follow Him. We must follow Him where He leads us and do what He asks us to do. So as we continue to surrender self, as we continue to grow in, grow Christ, then it becomes in a matter of service to us, doesn't it? Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, Ye bear witness, bear me witness rather, that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He's saying, I am not the Christ, but I was sent. 
I, I have a job to do. We all have a job to do. We've been sent. Amen? If you're a member of this church or even visiting or considering being a member of this church, you've been sent here. Amen? You've been sent to do a job. Whether it be to occupy a pew, to occupy a space, to, to, to do service in a class or teaching or anything, you've been sent here to do a service for the Lord. And then, because you've been sent here to do a service for the Lord, it now becomes a matter of attitude. I've got a message I preach sometimes. It says, look out, your attitude is showing. My wife. My wife sometimes used to ask me, she would, you know, put a skirt on, she'd put her slip under there because that's just the modest way to do. And, and my wife would put that slip on, she'd come to me and she'd say, is my slip showing? And one day I was listening to her say that and I thought, well, you know, that would be a, a good thought for a message. And I, I got to thinking about it, got to praying about it, and the Lord said, look out, your attitude is showing. We have to be careful, don't we? We have to make sure that our attitudes are proper. And our attitudes are the attitude that God would have us to have in this. Because remember, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Amen. Verse 29 says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Talking about Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus at this time. He says, But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. In other words, I'm standing here, I'm a friend to Jesus, and I'm standing here, and I'm proud to be just a friend of the bridegroom. And I'm going to let him do what he wants to do, and I'm going to praise him for doing what he wants to do, because he is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. This is an interesting thing that he talks about here, this, that the church, he equates the church now as being the bride and the bridegroom. It's something that takes us back to the Old Testament as it was mentioned there one time, but it also takes us into the book of Revelation. And as it takes us into the book of Revelation, it takes us into the church itself and where the church will be at one day. And that's what John is saying. John is saying, he is the groom, we are the bride. And I'm his friend. I might be his family member, but I'm his friend. I like the old bluegrass gospel song, I'll be a friend to Jesus. You know. Let me ask you a question, friend. Have you been a friend to Jesus? You see, if, if self-indulgence and self-righteousness is in your life, you, you can't be a friend to Jesus because that blocks you out from being his friend. Let's, let's try to be a friend. Amen. Let's try to be a friend of Jesus. Let's, let's not let our attitudes get to the place where that we're blocking Jesus out. In fact, David himself, he declared that he would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anything else. And David was the king. There's all kinds of jobs that we can do here in the church. You know, we have people stand at the back of the door and they pass out, gospel, uh, not gospel tracts, but, but gospel uh, bulletins. Amen. We have folks that go out and pass out gospel tracts. We have people that do different things in the church. There's all kinds of things you can do in the church. You don't have to be this or that to have position. You have as much position standing out there helping somebody get out of the car with an umbrella when it's raining as someone else in the church who has a, an authoritative position. You all have those same things. We all have the job to do to serve Jesus Christ. We're not necessarily serving the church or serving me. You're serving Jesus. 
And I'm afraid that in our society we've got it mixed up. And that's why attitude comes into it. And that's why attitude should never come into it. Because it is a service to God. And if attitude comes into it, then it's a disservice to God. And then as I close this lesson out this morning, have y'all been listening fast? Okay. Some of you have. All right. Look down to verse 32. Verse 32 says this, And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Jesus, as he begins teaching and preaching and baptizing folks, we find that Jesus, people start coming to him. They, they throng to his side. They listen to him. They come and ask him to do things, to heal them, to do all these different things like that. But not everyone believed in him, did they? And what Jesus was just simply trying to help these folks do is learn that it was just a matter of doctrine. And the word doctrine just simply means truth. It was just a matter of truth. Jesus had, was trying to bring truth to the, the Jewish people and help them see the truth of the word of God the Pharisees had been teaching them and leading them wrong not necessarily in a legalistic way some had been doing that but they were teaching them the wrong doctrine and so when Jesus comes in and he starts teaching just basic truth basic truth from the word of God it confused them and that's why they went against Jesus because they were losing their power careful friends always has to be a matter of truth a matter of truth from God and as we bring the matter of truth from God then all these things here that we've talked about will fall into place and the Lord will be blessed and he can then increase in us and we will decrease so friends as we approach this new year it's here. We can't stop it. The only thing that will stop this new year from coming, and then we can't stop it even then, is Jesus Christ coming back for us. I was speaking to a man yesterday, witnessing to him, and I told him, I said, you know, I said, the Lord's coming back. And he said to me, he said, preacher, he said, I think it's coming back sooner now than we have ever seen it before. And I told that gentleman, I said, you are exactly right. I said, and for that fact, that is the reason why Christians, we need to make sure that we are doing exactly what I've been preaching on today. Because when I walk out of this building, when I go to the shops that I shop in, when I go to the places that I eat in, or when I go home and I'm around my family, I want people to see Jesus. I don't want them to see me. Because if they see me, they've seen the wrong thing. So when you leave this building today, and I'm talking about after tonight's service too, make sure that people see Jesus and not you. Everyone stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Fathers, we come before your throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, for people like John. 
that shows us in our, in our lives what we must do and how we must do it, Lord. To not be so prideful that we are confounded by those things and made angry. But, Father, to, to simply humble ourselves and allow you to do what you have always done and will always continue to do. But, Lord, help us to be part of that puzzle. Help us to be those pieces fitly framed together. Help us, Lord, to, Lord, to show this community and show this, this area here that Christ is more important than anything that they have or have to do. And we'll give you praise and honor. And I pray for those in our service today that may be lost. I ask you, Father, that you would save them before it's eternally too late. My heart is burdened so much for them. Father, please convict them of their sins. And Father, I know that you'll convict them in love and you'll show them these things. And I'm just going to trust you for that. Now, Father, bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sister Heather's coming. Uh, Sister Crystal is going to play a song. Just wants to sing one stanza this morning, Sister. I'm going to ask you to respond on that first stanza. And the reason I'm saying just one stanza today is because, honestly, dear friends, if God is speaking to your heart, you don't need me to keep begging you to come up here. You know to come. Because the Holy Spirit's already dragging you. Amen? I just want to ask you to listen to his leadership. Obey Jesus today as we sing. Mm. Is the blessed hour of prayer when our hearts are open and we gather to Jesus our Savior in prayer? If we come to Him in faith, His protection to share. What a boon for the weary! Oh, how sweet to be there! Blessed. Praise God. It's a blessing. Amen. God is so good. He's so good to us. And uh, I know he's got great things in store for us this year. You know, uh, you know, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for us this year. So uh, let's approach it with faith. Number one, let's approach it with ourselves being out of the way. And let's approach it with Jesus being number one in our lives. Amen? All right. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Father, thank you for your scripture and what it means to us to stand with you. And Lord, the opportunity we have this year is so great to lead people to you. Lord, there are things that you desire for us and, and our community here. And Father, even in the outstretching communities, Lord, that, that we can be a part of and serve in. And Lord, to help people come to you. And so, Father, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, 
Help us as a church to be strong, to be united, Lord, to honor you and lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray.